I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Evan Beyer. Welcome, Evan. How are you this morning? Actually, it's afternoon. I'm sorry. My bad. It's four. four I'm o'clock. doing well. What time is it? Yeah. It's uh, five, 5 02. Yeah. <laughs> 5 02. Uh, Randomly, we're in the same time zone, so this confuses me more than when we're in different time zones. I'm sorry. Uh, um, first of all, it was delightful to get a chance to talk to you before we press record. I actually love the fact that I get to have these little bite-sized conversations with people before we even hit the button. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for letting me press the big red button. Um, I want to start us off by talking about um, creativity and creative energy and you really, I don't know you super well, but I've spent a lot of training time with you and we've had a chance to hang out a little bit uh, beyond, you know, at events. And you strike me as a guy who's really got a lot of mental energy, like creative thought, which you then channel out into the world, whether that's making coaching coaches, coach, coaching coach, or whether that's making, you know, things out of wood or creating movie sets. And I'm always curious how people uh, remember that you have to feed that, like in order to get that energy out, you have to put things in. So I'm kind of curious, what do you put into the mixer to continue to give you the energy to be creative? And in particular, how are you doing that now? Because I know that you're now juggling your own personal woodworking business and possibly parkour coaching and movie industry chaos. And so what are your thoughts on that? That's a really good question. The the way that I feed my the way that I feed my creativity is actually out of curiosity. Um, I'm curious what I can do, and then I'll just sometimes I'll get a wild hair and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to try this new thing." Hmm. So that's that's how I started metalworking when I was a kid. That's how I started mechanics. That's how I started woodworking. Um, you know, uh, it's just a natural curiosity to the world. It's like, how does a doorknob work? We'll take it apart. <laughs> oh, um, and the same <laughs> which thing. is also the answer to is how does the doorknob not work? I took it apart. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Uh, my dad wasn't too happy about that one. Just like the lawnmower <laughs> happened in my so, house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the best part about that growing up and taking things apart is my mom. Uh, she would, come in and I, there'd be things just a mess and she would look at it. She'd look at all the pieces and she'd just look at me smiling. Just, Oh, I took it apart. Yeah. It's got all these pieces. And I just remember something my mom said, she said you know, you took it apart. That's good. Cause you're going to have to put it back together. Cause I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would have to rebuild it. <laughs> mm. uh, and that's, that's just a really fun fun thing is, you know, you think about it that way. It's like a kid climbing a tree, you know, they get up there and then they, they get scared sometimes and they say, Oh, I need help getting down. When all you need to ask is, well, how did you get up? Mm. You know, do the same thing you did, but backwards. How did you get up there? How did you get to where you were? And then you have to retrace those steps. So and and that visualization component, right? Mm-hmm. I have yeah, four screws that, like this and seven holes. Hmm. You know, must be different. 
are some of those venting holes or some of those, <laughs> where's the super glue? I know how yeah. to fill these holes. Just... <laughs> oh man. Uh, I think that's, uh, I would agree with you wholeheartedly about there is a delight in, I was going to say like seeing things explode in your mind, but I don't mean like <laughs> blowing stuff up. I mean, when you can, when you can look at something and imagine, well, how would that go together? Like, you know, how did the toaster get into that shape? Is, is there one screw, which then releases all these other pieces? Or if you've ever taken apart, like small electronics, often it's like, yeah, you have to just yokes this one part and kind of bend it. And then it comes apart and then inside is where you can apply tools. Um, so I think you're, you're making a astute observation about some people really have that urge to pause and think about how did I do that? How would that, how would I, re- how would I reverse that process that I did? Um, what, a, um, here's a random question. What's something that people get wrong about you? I'm not, not fishing for dirt. Like, just mean like, well, you know, I would say Evan is this ever energetic human being, which is probably a false perception on my part, but what's something you think people get wrong about you? I think what people get wrong about me is judging a book by its cover. Uh, you know, I'm athletic, bald, white guy with a lot of tattoos. I've got scars everywhere. Uh, I can be intimidating and I don't mean to, that's just how I look. Um, and I think that people get that wrong when they first meet me. And a lot of people that actually told me that. And the only thing I really want is for people to be comfortable around me. Um, so I try really hard to make that happen. And I don't think people ever really see that unless they know me, but um, yeah, that's, that's a, a big one that people generally don't see, but did you, always, they, did you always want people to feel comfortable around you or can you recall a time where that was a shift to get to that perspective or what are your thoughts on, you know, 15 year old Evan, 16 year old Evan, 15 year old, 16 year old Evan was an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't fishing for that, but okay, if we're laying our cards on the table. I, I told you before the interview, you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. Mm. So <laughs> be careful with the hubris in your wish. What's there, the right? meaning of life? Uh, 42. It's a mathematical quandary. Yeah. Um, it's the numerical well, value of all the all the letters. Hmm. So, Or it's a towel. Hmm. But, well played on three fronts. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> but um, no, when I was younger, I, I wanted to look different. I wanted it to look like I didn't want to be talked to or I didn't want to be messed with. I was a pincushion. I had piercings all over my face. Uh, I would wear torn clothes on purpose. I had giant, bright, you know, orange Liberty spikes. Um, and the reason behind that, the thought behind that was if you judge a book by its cover, you'll never see what the story is. So I don't want those people around me if they're just going to judge me immediately. And whenever I started coaching is when that started changing because I knew I couldn't look the way I did around kids and around their parents who would take that seriously in, in a gymnastics gym. You know, there's this uh, like punk metalhead back there teaching our kids how to jump off of things. And that 
that I really took seriously because when I found movement, I absolutely fell in love with it. And it was unlike anything I'd ever done. Teaching movement was so fulfilling. I mean, you couldn't pay me enough to get away from it. And uh, I was actually working in an extraction plant as a mechanical engineer. Um, and it was just title. Uh, you know, I knew how to run the plant. I knew how everything worked. Um, and we would extract oils out of vegetation. So we use hexane gas, uh, which is generally a gas at room temperature, but we had had a cooling tower. It was this four story, just giant monstrosity out in the desert that we would run 24 hours a day and we would do, you know, eight to 12 hour shifts seven days a week. And, you know, it paid really well. Um, not going to lie. It paid great. I just, I wasn't fulfilled doing that job. Uh, when I found coaching, when I, when I first walked into a gym and started training and then somebody asked me how I did something and I tried to explain it and they got it. That was the most fulfilling I had ever had fulfilling feeling I had ever had. Um, and it boiled down to the conveyance of information and ideas. So I chased it and I, I chased it like a fox chasing a rabbit. Right. <laughs> so, and then 15 years later, you know, now I moved out of the desert, moved to Boston just solely to coach. And my goal was then to, you know, try to, coach coaches you know, I wanted to do that. I wanted to teach people how to coach and how to convey information. So, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm still working on that path, still trying to be a mentor, still trying to figure things out for myself, but it's been a fun road so far. Hmm. Where do you go for inspiration? Like when you're looking for ways to inspire other people to coach or convey, um, where do you look to get inspiration to help you do a better job at that? I look, uh, I look at a couple of my friends who started out as my, my mentors. Uh, one of them is Christopher Keithley and the other is, uh, Chris Blaine Rowett. Um, two of, two of some of the best coaches I've ever seen. Like there, there are definitely, amazing coaches out there. And I know more than just those two, but those two helped to mold me into the coach that I am because I had direct interaction with them while I was learning. Uh, they, they helped me through my certification programs. They, they would answer my texts in the middle of the night where they were, uh, because they're in London <laughs> right. and I'm in the U S you know, and it's just over the years, it's turned into great friendships. Um, you know, if they were to call me right now, I would pause this podcast and answer the phone for them. Mm. Unfortunately, sorry, Craig, but <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I would probably tell you to answer that call too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put it on speakerphone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll do another episode with those guys, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the way they coach and the way they critically think are definitely things that, uh, I try to try to emulate. So so this is going to come out of left field for people listening, but you and I were talking earlier about, you said you wanted to work in a different culture. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, 
do you have a particular culture in mind or are you interested in maybe searching for unknown unknowns in how you do things currently? So going somewhere completely different is a good way to search for that. Or like, why did you say to me earlier, you were interested in in working in another culture and do you have a culture in mind? I do have a culture in mind. I think the more interesting question is why? Uh, is what that That's and what I meant to ask you. Yeah. So I can't remember who told me, uh, I was a kid and I said something about staying in the same town my whole life. Like I'll never leave this place. And I just remember, I can't remember what adult it was, but an adult told me that living your whole life in one town is like looking at the cover of a book. You don't know what's in the pages until you travel. And I took that to heart and I've been traveling ever since um, for better or worse, hitchhiking or just like <laughs> sleeping on people's couches, sleeping in my car uh, or airports. That's well, those that are fun. It's a lot. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I want to see the world and I want to get a well-rounded view of what's happening in the world. You can read the news, you can watch the news all day, but you're going to get a biased opinion. And it's not your true opinion. It's someone else's opinion that they're feeding you. So I don't watch the news. Um, I don't read the news. I don't follow politics. It's I, I want to enjoy life. And the culture that I've been looking at, which I've thought about a few cultures over the years growing up um, in the Southwest with a heavy Mexican culture, is, you know, maybe I'll go to Mexico or South America, but... I have a lot of friends in Europe, um, a lot. And, you know, I was trying to think of where would be centrally located there. So I thought, well, what about Italy? You know, they've got great food. It's Mediterranean, you know, it's historically just packed. And I can get a job as a carpenter there. I could get a job as, you know, a parkour coach or a fitness coach or even just on a, on a marina, who cares? You know, I'm in Italy, <laughs> but it's, it boils down to just wanting to explore and really wanting to embrace that challenge of what it takes to be what people call an expat, mm-hmm. you know, um, getting out of your own country, going, seeing the world and exploring it through, through other cultures eyes. That's what it really boils down to. I think you took a, big leap for your age when you switched from New Mexico, was it? When you switched from New Mexico to go to Boston. Um, so I'm imagining, because I don't know the story and you can share or you don't have to. I'm imagining that you felt that there was infrastructure or people or some safety net that made it conceivable for you to make that leap. No parkour pun intended. Or you're shaking your head. No, because I was going to say whatever, what made that possible? What is the thing that you would have to find that's parallel to that so that you'd be able okay feel comfortable leaping for Italy. So I'm wrong. There, there was nothing. Well, then why'd you leap to Boston? And why don't you just leap to Italy then if you don't need as an infrastructure, safety net people? Those are all good questions. <laughs> Where I grew up, me and my friends, we called our, our town a black hole as teenagers. Every time we tried to leave, we just got drawn back in. Mm. Um, whether it was for financial reasons or for family reasons, it just seemed like we couldn't escape it. 
And when I found parkour, I found, I found my own personal escape in that area of being able to confront the things that I didn't like about myself and then be able to combat them because you can't blame bad technique on concrete. You know, you're, you're the only one to blame. So it, it's a really hard look at yourself. And, uh, my friend Adrian Ruiz and I went to a level one course for the adapt certification in 2013, uh, June of 2013 that, um, one of our friends, Caesar told us about, and we have no idea what it was. And we were expecting like, Oh, they're going to make us do flips and they're going to teach us how to do this and that. And it, it was a complete, completely different animal. You know, they looked at the quality and the etiquette and the character and the skill of coaching. And they really separated, you know, what coaching is as to what parkour training is. And they're two different skills. And I just remember I, it was the, the funniest thing I'd ever heard was, um, you know, them saying coaching is hard. It's not easy. And at this, this point in time, Adrian and I had been running our own programs for about three years. Yeah, about three and a half years. And, you know, after the level one certification, uh, they invited us to the level two to go through the head coach uh, course. And then so we went to Boston, did that, came back to New Mexico, and then we went to the assessments. Well, I thought I had torn my meniscus in my right knee. And I still went. I still went to the assessments. And I was just very honest. I was like, I'm not here for me. You know, I'm here for my buddy. I'm here for Adrian. I'm here to cheer him on. I know I'm not going to pass, but it doesn't mean I can't support him. And to this day, I mean, he's, he's visiting here in Boston this right now. And it's just amazing to still be able to support him and what he's doing. But apparently that, that was odd. (laughs) You know, you pay a bunch of money to go sit and sit at a, uh, you know, at a certification course, you know, just to cheer everybody else on. And so Blake, the director of Parker Generations Americas asked me if I wanted to come do an internship, a paid internship in Boston. And I said, yes, before anything, didn't know where I was staying, didn't know how I was getting there. I said, yes. Um, and it's cause I had heard of Parker Generations Boston or Parker Generations anyways. And I knew that they were a coaching company. And uh, that's exactly what I was looking for was more legitimacy in my own coaching. So I moved up, uh, sold my motorcycles, sold, sold all my stuff, you know, um, and used that money to move up to Boston. Didn't know where I was staying. Didn't have any plan. Moved up with a backpack and, uh, <laughs> and just made it happen and at our three month a meeting with Blake, he asked me, he's like, well, do you want to go back? And I said, no, there's so much more here I can learn. And that was 10 years ago. So, <laughs> um, and there's still so much more I can learn. And it's, it's been a blast. It, it was definitely a kick in the pants when I first got up here. But the reason I don't just jump off to Italy or to Singapore or, you know, Ukraine or wherever, really, it doesn't matter is I remember how hard it was when I just up and moved to Boston mm-hmm. and um, internationally they have this thing, you know, you gotta, gotta be able to 
prove that you can support yourself for a certain amount of time. Right. So, you know, they're, they're little hurdles you got to get over just like in parkour. So right now I'm working on those hurdles, um, building my business that way as it, as it grows and I can remove myself a little bit more, I still have a stable, stable income that'll allow me to do that. So, and it just kind of grows from there. Yeah. We're kind of spoiled within the United States about, Oh, I'm just going to move, you know, 2000 miles to a completely different culture. It's almost a different language to a completely different society to different infrastructure. And it's just like, yeah, I can just do that. And like, you know, no papers, you just go. So yeah. I, I lose track of that sometimes. It's um, a really, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's a privilege to be able to just travel uh, around. Um, but I'm totally with you on the, having said that and having said to lots of people over the time, you know, yes, there's so much you could see in America. You could just never leave the country and see something new every week. Um, I think there's deep value in going elsewhere because there is a lot of stuff that is all over the world. Um, this is a teeny tiny little, teeny tiny little piece of the corner of the world. Yeah. If I could live in a thousand, I still wouldn't learn everything. Oh yeah. Well, I learn one thing, forget two. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, just watching the time tick by. Anything else that's top of mind for you now that we've had like too many conversations, one before and one with record? Anything that we kind of went near that you want to flesh out further or questions you want to ask? Or What number is this podcast? Um, I think 161 episodes of this show. You would be the 345th or so podcast like this that I've done, but like 160, you're like 162 on Movers Mindset or 161. What was it before? My, pardon me. What was it before? Um, in the very early days of the show, in the very beginning, it was called Parkour, They Said, which had nothing to do with the meme about the panda, although that's funny. Uh, it was originally meant to be, originally it was a website <clears throat> that I was trying to collect people's writing and translate it into multiple languages. My eventual goal was I hope to hire actual people to do the translation. Um, but then I figured out, <laughs> everybody knows it's hard to write. <laughs> so it's hard enough to write your own stuff, let alone get other people to write for you. So I pissed off like 300 people asking them to write for me. And then eventually I said, hmm, maybe we'll just do, uh, originally it was Skype calls. Let's just do some Skype calls, hit record, and then transcribe them and go from there. Uh, but originally the first, I think it's like the first 10 episodes might be. If you press play on the first 10 episodes, it actually says, um, welcome to Parkour, they said. I'm Craig Constantine. And then whatever the guest was. Assuming that's the question you wanted the answer to. Yeah. <clears throat> That was really helpful because uh, I remember when you started and I just couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah, so. that's, well, it's like five years ago. That was 2017, I think was the first episode. I think I released Adam's episode, like a low numbered January date of 2017. Yeah. Way, way, way back machine. Or was it 2018? Maybe 2018. I think it was 2017. I can't remember. I could look. I'm resisting the years. Like I, I have like notes from all of the recordings I've ever done. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pull the notes out while I'm talking to Evan and waste Evan's time. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what made you, you num- wonder what number, you're just curious what number you are or just? I just was curious how many uh, 
podcasts you've done. So, and that's kind of goes back to that curiosity yeah. of how things work. So, yeah, I've but, done a lot, like twelve hundred. <laughs> man, <laughs> it's a problem. It's gotten out of hand. Um, I really love being. <clears throat> we call it switching seats. Being in the guest's role because um, I'm obviously super comfortable being the host for the conversation, but I really love helping people who are starting out, who are nervous about their process or, oh, I'm not sure what questions I'm like, dude, just guinea pig me. Even if you never published a thing, I just love, because you were talking about curiosity. That's my superpower is I am insatiably curious. Um, so I love getting on what is meant to be a podcast recording with people, even if they don't get around to ever putting their show up. Uh, so that's, I love that. That's fun conversation i think is my shtick my bag my my hill so yeah it's always fun to talk to you that's for sure so yeah um sorry we didn't get a chance to talk more at ardv we had a blast um and that's i don't know you know i've been there 10 whatever time how many times it is i've been there so i'm just like i always say to people don't say goodbye just say see you later at events (laughs) it's so much easier yeah I've gotten to hang out with uh, Chris Keithley quite a bit this summer, which is fantastic because we only see each other once a year usually, but I've seen him three times in the last two months. So Mm. I I don't know, having good Mm. friends from all over the place. It's like, you don't even miss a beat whenever you see each other again. Yes. There's a, there's a certain kind of friendship uh, that you get from, and people listening probably know this, but the people that you move with, you have a different understanding about how they think. Um, even if you spend most of your time, you know, he's coaching and you're, you know, behind the scenes or you're assisting, even if you're not really moving together, just being in the same space with someone when they're moving, um, you, you get a different perspective on how they think. And that I think makes friendships, um, not only deeper, but I think it makes friendships. It's a different kind of friendship. Um, then, yeah, I work with this person or I see them, you know, at the bar or I see them every time I go to the dog park. Like that's a different kind of friendship. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'm off in the weeds. Anything else top of mind? I always like to go back to the well. Anything else? Um, no, you know, I'm just kind of stuck on, on the inspiration uh, for the creativity. Hmm. And I know I mentioned two people, but that's just two people on a very, very long list of amazing movers and practitioners and community members that I've met over the years that just inspired me. Um, like I may not talk a lot whenever I first meet people, you know, it's just, I'm kind of shy, which people don't really, if, if you've met me, you probably wouldn't notice that, but like going up and talking to people, people is, yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, is people scare me, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But like, there are amazing community members here in Boston and all over the world that have just inspired me to keep going. And I learn something from them every day. It uh, doesn't matter if I see them on, online or if I get to train with them in person. Just a different view, a different perspective, you know, a different funny quip. It's, yeah. it's amazing. I love our community. I think that's an awesome place to stop. Um, Evan, I will just say, man, of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Power, community, and control. Terrific. Evan, thank you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to get to hang out with you generally. 
delight to have lots of conversations with you. And I'm so glad that we finally got to press record. This was our second attempt at this. We had a scheduling issue. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know you are crazy busy. Third. <laughs> My bad. Third attempt. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for taking the time and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for talking. I appreciate it.